You're listening to Dental Talk from VivaLearning.com. Today we'll be discussing cementation strategies for zirconia oxide restorations. Our guest is Dr. Michael Detola, a lecturer and columnist with an expertise in restorative dentistry techniques. He is the former director of clinical research and education at Glidewell Labs and currently is the VP of Clinical Affairs at Aegis Communications. Dr. Detola, it's a pleasure to have you back on Dental Talk. Thanks, Phil. It's nice to be here again, and we're talking about one of my favorite subjects, cementation. Yes, and you did a great podcast previously, so I recommend our listeners to tap into that. That one's called Cementation Strategies for Lithium Disilicate Restorations. Um, and again, today we're going to be talking about zirconia oxide restorations. So how do you decide between cementing or bonding a zirconia oxide restoration? Phil, that's a good question. And, um, you know, just just to mention why we're doing these two um, episodes at, at Glidewell, uh, between lithium disilicate, Emax crowns and solid zirconia like Bruxer, I mean, those were just the two fastest growing products in the history of the lab. And believe it or not, the last numbers that I looked at from this year to date so far in 2019, PFMs are down to just 5% of the restorations in the lab, which is insane because, you know, when I got out of school and for decades after, it was the workhorse of the dental industry. And at Glidewell, it was like 80, 85% of the crowns being made. So the two huge categories of crowns today are lithium disilicate and and zirconia oxide restorations. It was a good idea to do these um, these two episodes like this because these are the big questions dentists have. They don't have any questions about how to cement a PFM. They're doing less of those. Their questions are all about this new generation. So right. good job uh, picking these two. Uh, yeah. Picking these two. Topics. Thank you for so, that. Yeah. So we're yeah we're, we we want to know the answers. So again, uh, they're they're totally in line with each other. Different materials, but the same concept about the strategy. So again, um, cementing or bonding. What, what's the deal with zirconia oxide? Well, yeah. When you when we talk about cementing, like conventional cementation, all we're doing is putting a thin layer that's going to set hard between the restoration and the prep. And so basically, it's like putting mortar between the bricks in a brick wall. We we have like weak looting forces that are going to hold it in place. Whereas we bond it, we're going to chemically get some adhesion. So now we're getting into like crazy glue. Uh, territory. And so it depends upon how tall the prep is and how much taper it is. That's use, one of the things that's going to lead us down. So I ask myself a couple questions usually. And one of them is, you know, is the prep retentive? The other one is what kind of restoration is it? Is it a crown? Is it a veneer? Is it inlay? Is it an inlay? And the third question is what is the restoration made of? And so those kind of, those three questions will kind of lead you down a path for if you should um, cement or or if you should bond. But specifically with zirconia oxide, I'm trying to cement everything that I can. Um, you might remember when we did the last one with uh, lithium disilicate, we were going, I said we should be bonding them in order to increase the fracture toughness of the restoration. That doesn't happen with zirconia oxide. The restoration is plenty strong enough. It actually does not, bonding does not increase the fracture toughness. And God knows we probably don't want to because, you know, cutting it off is is difficult enough uh, as is. And in fact, that's why I want and encourage dentists to cement all the zirconia oxide restorations that they can, because about the toughest thing to do these days in dentistry, at least in Crown and Bridge, is cutting off a solid zirconia crown. It is not fun. And it's markedly worse when it's been adhesively bonded into place versus if it's just been 
cemented into place. So I remember I was working with Gordon when um, the CR newsletter came out and, and we were talking about this and just decided to make a blanket recommendation in the newsletter. Cement all the zirconia oxide restorations you can and only bond it with a metaphorical gun to your head. This is going to be very difficult to cut off later and you'll probably do some damage to the tooth. Yeah, and I hear all sorts of nightmare stories from the KOLs that I've been interviewing on this podcast about removing zirconia oxide restorations. They're just very difficult, very challenging, and it's driving a lot of doctors to using electric handpieces versus air, which you've talked about in the past. So I guess using a good electric handpiece does help to cut through this material. Um, yeah, there, there's no such thing as um, as too much torque when you go to cut through zirconia oxide. And the good news is if it's cemented into place with something like um, SpeedSend Plus um, from Ivoclar, it'll come off in two or three pieces. And if you've adhesively bonded a zirconia oxide crown into place, it's not going to come off in pieces. You're going to basically have to prep the zirconia like it's the world's most tenacious Hmm. enamel so you're going to want to grab seven or eight burrs and you know knock off a good 35 minutes in your schedule to have time to do this it's not fun yeah that's tough so you talked about in your previous podcast about decontaminating lithium disilicate after the try-in tell us a little bit about the same concept with zirconia oxide well here it's even more crucial than it was with lithium disilicate it can be a real killer to not decontaminate saliva especially if dentists do what they've been told to do you know for the last 25 years which is after you try a tooth colored all ceramic crown in the mouth go ahead and decontaminate it with phosphoric acid and what we mentioned on the last podcast was that actually works really well on lithium disilicate but if you do that same phosphoric acid on zirconia oxide it's the absolute kiss of death and those crowns will fall off. And it explained why after we launched Bruxer at Glidewell, we had dentists calling in and the, and the, the call would get transferred to me because, from customer service because the dentists were so frustrated. And they said, Mike, I just had this crown fall off again. I said, how long has it been on? They said, two days. I said, wow. And it, it, fell, and it already fell off. They said, this is the fifth time it's been off. And we realized that there was something really wrong and we had to start doing research on it. As it turns out, the, the phosphoric acid, if you use it on the inside of a zirconia oxide crown, it binds to all the receptor sites on the inside of the crowns where the zirconia primer would have bonded had the saliva or the phosphoric acid not come in contact with it. So phosphoric acid is full of phosphate groups and our saliva has phospholipids in it. So it also has these active uh, phosphate groups that can bond to the inside of the crown. So saliva contaminates a zirconia crown and phosphoric acid contaminates it to the nth degree and makes it even worse. And those are the crowns that fall off multiple times and only stay on a day or two at a time. And that's why that same product we recommended, IvoClean, which is actually like a 12.5% liquid zirconia oxide solution. IvoClean placed for 20 seconds inside of the crown, the zirconia crown, and then rinse it out with air and water will completely decontaminate it and your bond strength will go back up to where it was had you, you know, cemented it uncontaminated. And so, you know, we're losing 75% of the bond strength um, if we just let saliva come in contact with it. And if a dentist uses phosphoric acid to clean the inside of the crown, they're losing 95% of the bond strength. And those mm. were those crowns that came off over and over. So never use phosphoric acid to decontaminate the inside of a zirconia oxide crown. And if you use the IvoClean for 20 seconds and rinse it out, your bond strength will go right back up to where it would have been had it never come in contact with saliva. So super important with zirconia oxide to decontaminate. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have IvoClean available for 
uh, zirconia oxide restorations, what's the next best thing? You can also sandblast it. So this is, you know, this is one of those things where do, do, do not ever sandblast the inside of a lithium disilicate Emacs crown. In fact, I didn't even mention it on the last podcast because I don't even want to put it in anybody's mind. Uh, but that will actually eat away, uh, remove some of the material aggressively and make the crown thinner and weaker. But zirconia oxide, you can, um, you can blast it with uh, aluminous oxide, 50 micron particles, uh, as long as you want, and that will also get rid of the salivary contamination. So if you don't have any IvoClean or if you already have a sandblaster chair site or maybe in the lab and you want to do it that way, you can do it that way as well. We just got into the habit of doing with IvoClean because we are already using the IvoClean for the lithium disilicate restorations. But if you don't have it there, you can certainly sandblast it, and that will get rid of the salivary contamination as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a specific primer that you like to use with zirconia oxide restorations? Well, you know, we we started using one back in the day, um, Z Prime Plus, and it was the first one available to us and we started using it. And then we started noticing a lot of confusion because um, dental assistants were couldn't remember when to use a ceramic silane and when to use a zirconia primer and which one was for Emacs. And so we ended up uh, going over to Monobond Plus when it came out because they put, Ivoclar put a ceramic silane and a zirconia primer in the same bottle. And it just became easier, even though my dental assistant was living at ground zero for zirconia oxide at the time. Um, it was just easier to have that one bottle with the purple label that could be used on everything, whether it was lithium disilicate or whether it was solid zirconia. And so uh, that became what we did. And I found that that lack of confusion is always nice. It's never fun to be sitting around and and trying to remember how to do something like uh, if you don't do many veneers, you know, you etch the tooth and you place the primer and adhesive, and then you have to stop and think and go, is it okay to cure this before I seat the veneer? I can't remember. And it's an uncomfortable feeling mm-hmm. as a dentist or a staff member to not be able to remember how to, you know, do this the correct way. So um, I like the Monobond Plus because, again, it works on lithium disilicate, works on zirconia oxide, and you don't have to remember anything else. And if you're doing the odd PFM bridge and you'd like to use um, a metal primer because you've got a short uh, abutment tooth, it, it works on metal as well. So it's basically one primer for all materials. And to me, uh, any anytime we can eliminate um, a mistake being made, that's the same thing as adding a strength to a clinical technique. Yeah. Yeah. And your observation when you were in uh, Provo with uh, Gordon Christensen's group, you mentioned their staff, their assistants were actually looking at cheat sheets. And like you said, if they're doing this and they're confused, the rest of America is confused as well. So um, that's a very good point. So making things simple, and it sounds like Monobon Plus certainly takes the uh, margin of error out of using the wrong primer for the wrong material. Exactly. Uh, and so and so Gordon finally put that cheat sheet that his assistants use into the CR newsletter. I was like, don't, don't hide <laughs> this from people. People... <laughs> People want to want to have this. And uh, I, I would like to explain one thing. I mentioned it quickly about how um, the zirconia primer uses phosphate groups to bond to the inside of a zirconia oxide crown. And that primer is something called 10MDP. Um, and so you'll see 10MDP in a lot of places. It's basically the active ingredient in any um, zirconia primer, it's 10 um, methacryloxydecyl dihydrogen phosphate. I, I know I didn't need to tell you that, Phil, but the 10 <laughs> MDP shows up um, in a lot of different places when, whenever we want to bond to it. And the, the cement I mentioned before, the, the SpeedSem Plus, speaking of eliminating mistakes, the cool thing that Ivoclar did, they used to have SpeedSem 
and now they have SpeedSend Plus. And what I love about SpeedSend Plus is they took the zirconia primer, that 10 MDP, and they put it in the cement itself. And so now a dentist doesn't even have to remember to use that Monobond Plus, you know, as a primer um, for the restoration. It's If you're using SpeedSend Plus, it's actually in the cement itself. So it doesn't hurt, you know, if a dentist, you know, took decontaminated a zirconia crown and put Monobond Plus in and then use the SpeedSend Plus. It certainly doesn't hurt it, but because it's got the zirconia primer in the cement, it's kind of a cement that's been designed for the world of zirconia oxide crowns. And so you can save a little money by not having to use, you know, a dollar's worth of zirconia primer inside the crown because that zirconia primer is actually in the in the cement itself. And so you can never forget to use uh, the zirconia primer with the SpeedSend Plus. And again, with all the confusion in those areas of cementing these different types of crowns, it's, it's nice to know you can never forget to use uh, the primer when cementing with that cement. Yeah, no, that's a very good point, And that sure is a convenient thing to add that in there. Um, are there any times when you prefer a dual cure cement to a light cure cement when cementing in zirconia oxide restorations? Yeah, and that you you kind of answered the question right there. Was certainly with zirconia oxide restorations, we're always always using dual cure cement. It was you know Gordon did some research where they took um, zirconia oxide crowns and they took pretty thin ones. They were like half a millimeter thick, and we don't you know at Glidewell we don't recommend anything under six tenths of a millimeter and 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 a lot of them you know the thicker zirconia oxide gets the stronger it gets so we're always encouraging dentists to have zirconia oxide crowns be at least a millimeter thick because now you can adjust the bite if you need to without making the crown too thin and but gordon was testing it at half a millimeter and they were losing up to 75 percent of the efficacy of the curing light, you know, trying to get through the crown and cure the cement that was underneath it. And certainly as that zirconia crown gets thicker up to a millimeter, you're losing 90% of your curing light's ability to get through that material. Remember, zirconia oxide doesn't have any glass in it. It's one of the reasons it's way less translucent than lithium disilicate. It's one of the reasons why the lab can't etch zirconia oxide crowds with hydrofluoric acid. It it doesn't work because there's no glass in it. And that's one of the reasons why you can't bond as strongly to zirconia as you can to lithium disilicate. And it's also the reasons why it's so strong. You know, why zirconia, you can hit it with a hammer and it won't break because it doesn't have any glass in it. And likewise, it's more difficult uh, for the curing light to get through the crystal structure um, of the zirconia oxide to with the prep where the cement is. So we're always going to use a dual cure cement here. And so SpeedSend Plus is a... A dual cure cement. Um, it's also very radio opaque. Uh, again, it's got the built-in zirconia primer, so you just uh, express it right into the crown, the zirconia crown, after you've decontaminated it, and then seat the crown onto the tooth, and then we cure it for one second at each of the line angles, like the mesial lingual, the distal lingual, mesial buckle, distal buckle, and clean up that excess gel, and then finish the curing on it, and then place a glycerin gel around the margin and get rid of that air-inhibited layer. So we definitely want to make sure with zirconia oxide, more so than lithium disilicate, it's really difficult to know whether or not your light is getting in there from your curing unit. And so absolutely always, always, always use a dual cure cement underneath solid zirconia restorations. I have a quick question, and I'm not a restorative dentist. I'm a retired endodontist, but Emacs, and I know we're talking about zirconia uh, oxide right now. Emacs is a strong material, but obviously it's not 
as strong as zirconia oxide. Are dentists still using Emacs for posterior teeth? I mean, for, for most cases, can you get away with using Emacs instead of zirconia oxide for posterior teeth? Now you're asking some real, this is good. I'm really proud of an endodontist <laughs> thinking, uh, thinking of this. In fact, we, we were really afraid when we launched solid zirconia that endodontists were going to start picketing in front of Glidewell right. because there's going to be this new tooth colored crown you had to do an access opening through and exactly. have no idea what burrs to use to get through it. So my recommendation for the, for the average dentist out there is just use solid zirconia on molars and you can use Emacs everywhere else. Um, to me, when you, when you look at the fact that solid zirconia crowns are about three times stronger than lithium disilicate in flexural strength, um, I don't know why you wouldn't use solid zirconia uh, on molars. And, because to me, Emacs almost has, t you know, I don't need that much aesthetics on a first or second molar. In fact, Ivaclar recently introduced another Emacs called Emacs Prime, and it's a zirconia oxide-based material. And this is a whole nother podcast, but it's got full strength, 100% tetragonal zirconia at the, in the gingival half. And then it's got a more translucent zirconia in the occlusal portion. And so you get all the strength where you need it at the margins and the translucence where you want it on the occlusal surface. And so you can do a more, you know, aesthetic looking zirconia, but in the posterior. But in general, to your question, I, I don't, I'm doing solid zirconia on molars, and then you can do lithium disilicate, do Emacs everywhere else. But to me, it's asking a lot of Emacs to do it on molars when we have something that's three times as strong. But we also see dentists putting full strength zirconia for crowns on teeth seven through 10, and that's way too much strength for an anterior tooth when you have a much more aesthetic material like Emacs that you can place on anterior teeth. And so dentists kind of get into habits and they start to have success with things. And you can see that dentists think, ooh, look how well this solid zirconia is working on the molars. I'm going to use it everywhere. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. We don't, we don't need that much strength in the anterior. You know, in the lab, we don't see Emacs fracturing hardly at all. It's less than 1% on anterior teeth and premolars. Just about all the Emacs fractures we've experienced in the lab have been on molars specifically where the lingual margin was was underprepared and there was just kind of a feather edge uh, margin there so you kind of hit the nail on the head thinking that um you know uh, you you didn't quite say it in your question but it sounds like you were getting around this but you would be correct to think that i think the most common sense approach is solid zirconia on molars and then you can use you know emacs or Emacs Prime, uh, anywhere else as you move your way towards uh, the anterior. So I'm a big full-strength solid zirconia guy for the molars because that's where patient, patients are breaking teeth all day long and breaking restorations. And in the anterior, where we don't have nearly the bite forces, you can pretty much do whatever you want. Yeah, that makes total sense. No, that's exactly the answer I was looking for, and uh, very well said. Thank you so much, Dr. Totola. I appreciate your time as usual. I know how busy you are. We love you on the show. And, uh, again, hope to have you on another one soon. That'd be great. I look forward to it, Phil.